Ian, we're back again. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, this time we're going to be talking about life and death, but life and death as compared to contrasted with right and wrong. Okay, right. Now, I know that you've got some... It's a history with this. This has been with us for a while, isn't it? Most people yeah. think, what are they going on about here? Yeah. There's a bit of history here. So let's let's get that in first. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we, I was at a kind of, um, I don't know what you would call it, kind of ministers, pastors, leaders, kind of um, gathering, round table kind of thing. And a guy called Ed Delf was there. By the way, I, I'm going to make a disclaimer now. Um, I'm going to quote Ed, but he doesn't have to own anything else we say. <laughs> You're not responsible. Today. Yeah. So, so don't blame Ed. Disassociated okay? with. I'm not affiliated with you. But, but it was it, it was such an incredible uh, and such an incredible transformation in my life. And we we talk we talk a lot about that, yeah. right? About these transformational aspects yeah. where you have these um, these watershed moments. Hmm. And for me, this is what, what was a watershed moment. Uh, it wasn't initially, it was a, a watershed moment in the sense I was, I, I didn't believe it. I, I thought this is rubbish. What was he talking about here? You know, so, but anyway, so he's talking away and he says, you know, because the issue is we have to move from a paradigm of right and wrong to a paradigm of life and death. Because Jesus lives in the life and death paradigm, not in the right and wrong paradigm. And I'm thinking to myself, that's just that's rubbish, isn't it? Mm. It's, it's my first response is, well, like, that's just wrong. You know, and, and immediately I'm in the right and wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm immediately in that, in that paradigm. Um, anyway, I, I came home and I was thinking, but it troubled me. And I knew that there was something in it, but I couldn't quite grasp it. Mm. And then I, I started, as I was reading the scriptures, um, you know, just do my normal devotional kind of stuff. I started coming up against story after story of um, where it wasn't about right and wrong. It wasn't Jesus wasn't working in a a right and wrong paradigm, but he was working in a life and death paradigm. So the most stark, probably easiest one to to, to get is the woman caught in adultery, right? So, um, so if you read the story, woman's caught in adultery. They bring her to Jesus, and they say to him. Okay, what should we do here? Should she be stoned? Hmm. Right. Um, just a little side note here. Not only should she have been stoned, but the guy she was caught in adultery was should have been as well. That's a, that's a whole other aspect to that story that we yeah. could explore yeah. sometime, but not now. Um, but he so so they they brought Jesus, and obviously, if it was a right and wrong paradigm, she should have been stoned because the law was clear. Hmm. Caught in adultery, you get stoned. Right, you you're dead. Hmm. You're, you're killed. But Jesus did something totally different. He bent down. He started writing in the sand. I would love to know what he wrote in the sand, but we don't know. We could speculate, but I'm not going to. Right. But he, whatever he wrote, they it says one by one they peeled away because and and then he said those who have sinned, hmm. uh, who have not sinned, yeah, those who cast the first stone. Right. Yes. So 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 and then one by one. They kind of peeled away. Mm. <laughs> so goodness knows what he wrote in the sand there. And so it's just her and Jesus left. Where are your accusers? Yeah. Where 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 are they now? And then he says an interesting thing to her. He doesn't condone her sin, right? He doesn't mm. say, Oh, it's okay, don't worry, adultery's fine in my book. Mm. He doesn't say that. He says, Now go and sin no more. Mm. So he is at that point giving her the choice of life and death. Mm. Because what he's saying in that statement, if you continue in this behavior, you will die. 
Mm. It will bring death to you. Yeah. But if you choose <clears throat> not to, you will find life. Yeah. yeah. Right? So so it it really started for me a whole process of um of of starting to try and develop and nurture within myself uh, an attitude and a mindset and a paradigm of life and death rather than right and wrong. So mm. when I'm what, now, now what, oh, sorry, I just hit my microphone. Sorry about that listeners. But, um, <laughs> but um, it, it, it made me start to think whatever situation I'm faced with, yeah. rather than asking, is this right or wrong? Yeah. What is the right thing? What is the wrong thing here? Mm-hmm. Is how can I help bring life to to this situation? Yes. Because, you know, I, I when Jesus gives us the choice, mm-hmm. I don't think he wants her to choose death, but he's he's bringing, he's bringing her into a place where she can find life, right? Yeah. I think that that's all. We, I think that's always God's heart is for us to find life. Yes. Right. So. So for me, it, it started. I started to started to really try and apply that as, as a, as a a kind of mm. way of working, a way of thinking, a, a way of operating, and it's totally changed the way I in which I approach certain things now. Things I would be very black and white of in the past. Yeah, I'm not no longer black and white about them. You know, I'm not I'm not as judgmental as I used to be, <laughs> which is you know. <laughs> Many people will say, "Really, oh, I can't imagine what that was like." <laughs> but you know that that kind of idea, that yeah. idea of, of, of that. So that's kind of that's where this came from hmm. for me, and um, and it's been it's been amazing, and it bears fruit wherever I go. Um, often the first response is the same as my response, hmm. uh, particularly if I don't backfill. You know, sometimes I yep. just throw it in, just like Ed did that day. You know, just throw <laughs> it in there. Well, God, you know, God doesn't operate in a in a yeah. right and wrong mode. He, he, it's a life and death mode. It it's this is a really interesting one, isn't it? Because we 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 recorded the podcast on Kingdom, and if anyone's listened to that and still still listening to us, the principle in it was find out what God is saying and do it. Now, a right and wrong mindset is a case of, well, we don't need to find out what God is saying because we're hardwired. We know what's right and wrong. Right. Yes. So we default to um, a code, an institutional requirement, a um, a creed, a, um, a, a, a prejudice, a tradition, something else, anything else, or even fear. I was, I was thinking about this, you know, one of the big gods I, I struggle with is fear the god of fear who when i choose what i do here instead of hearing the creator i hear fear mm. oh you gotta back off and close down and not go there because and you're not listening to god no. and and uh <clears throat> so if we if we're functioning out of one of those other sources then this is not life actually it brings death isn't it and jesus said i am the life and uh, one of the things to connect this back to is um there is the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden whatever the historicity yeah. or reality of those but there's the truth of them is this is that we operate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil when we choose right and wrong and we and therefore we always end up bringing death by doing even by doing the right thing yeah 
exactly. Which is a paradox, isn't it? But that's 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 why. And also, if you think about the law and salvation, right? You know, how can we can we find salvation through obeying the law? Yeah. Right and wrong. Yeah. The law's right. Right. Yeah. But so it's either we do right or war or right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but actually, it's about faith. It's about finding life. Yeah. In Him. Hmm. Right. So. And this isn't that the law in itself is evil, because Paul makes that really clear, doesn't he? Yeah. But it's actually God is working on a, a higher truth and a higher plane. And what's it? The law was given to show what is right and wrong. So we have we have a conscience, we have an understanding. But actually, when we come into Christ, we we, we, we he fulfilled the law, didn't he? he fulfilled the requirements of the law. And the only law that got passed on, I think, at the Council of Jerusalem was um, to keep the marriage bed holy and not to eat food sacrificed to idols. And I think you said even Paul... Paul bin, overturns bin, that later The on. second one gets binned anyway. <laughs> so so the requirements of the law, essentially, are fulfilled in Christ. For, for Gentiles. For Gentiles, yeah. That's a, but what's the point? Gentile believers. We're called not into the law, into right and wrong. We're called into something else, life and death. Jesus said, I am the life. Yeah. This is a person we're working with now, not a creed or a. Well, well, even you know your thing about fear, hmm. right? Well, what what does it say is the antidote to fear? It's not courage, hmm. it's love. Yeah, perfect love casts out fear. Well, what is that? That's life, hmm. right? What what gets rid of our fear is actually connecting with the life. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. and with the heart of God, right? So, so. You know, in, in, when we talked about the kingdom, we were talking about, you know, how do we hear God and all the rest of it. You know, often often when we are wanting to hear God, we are, we are looking for two things, right? We're looking for his mind and his will. Hmm. I would say we need to look for his heart as well. So how does God want this to be expressed? Very good. Right? Rather than, because, you know, I, I've heard all kinds of like, like prophetic words and, and stuff about the love of God that has sounded very, <laughs> to be honest, anything but the love of God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. They, somehow the, the truth, God loves us, that's, a, that's the truth. Yeah. But how it's communicated is really important, right? Mm. I can say to my wife, I love her, but if I'm beating her, she doesn't think I'm loving her. Or love's very twisted. Right, exactly. Yeah. My love for her is very twisted. Yeah. I want to control her. You know, we see yeah. these in the kind of films and that. Hopefully my wife would say that I don't do that, right? But, yeah. but, but, but you know, we see this in the, all the films and stuff, you know, where I really love you and then they're beating them. But I love you. Do you know what I mean? And, 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 or, or they're controlling. But I love you. Yeah. You know, and, and actually I think sometimes that's how we see God. You know, we see God with this, this this kind of idea that he loves us, but he's got a big stick waiting to hit us yeah, when we yeah. get it wrong. Yeah, yeah, right. And, and this is this, there's a fundamental shift here as well yeah. to, <clears throat> to to be aware of. Um, and people may not make this jump easily, but I'll make you aware of it. Yeah. N.T. Wright has identified three fundamental problems with modern Christianity, and one of them is that we see our our humanity as basically a moral problem. Mm-hmm. that we've moralized our humanity and that be, may be because of our inheritance or certain ways of looking through the victorian era and so on that that we primarily come up against this you know she's committed adultery why should we not stone her mm. it's a moral response mm. and and it's not 
wrong, but it's not life. No. There's something bigger going on. And this is why you know, to work with Jesus beyond in spaces where we've not worked before, in ethical situations which are incredibly complex, the answer is going to be wisdom, which is a person, and it's going to be life, which goes beyond the right and wrong code, and it's going to be tailored, particularly for what God wants to say in that moment. And possibly also, can I suggest, it may be tailored to how God likes to work with you because mm. he's brought you into this situation. So the way it works with you will be different to how you might work with someone else brought in. So there's no code or creed or rule book that's ever going to give you the uh, solution for any moment mm. where you're walking in one of these ethically complex, difficult moments. It will be, what is he saying right now? What is the life, the source of life saying? And... So therefore, there is no guidebook. If we want to bring, see Jesus working out in these spaces, in these dark spaces, we're going to have to be prepared to go in among the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the lepers, the adulterers. We will be called sinners. He feasts with sinners. Drunkards. Yeah, he's, these people are drunkards and all that stuff. We're going to get, get involved with these people. And there's not going to be a rule book because mm. you can't bring the law in. Because mm. if you bring the law and you kill them all off up front. Yeah. And if we want to see life come and the rule and reign of Jesus come in the whole earth, and it is going to come and it will come in this way because this is Jesus' way, yeah. I suggest, then we're going to have to learn to become comfortable in responding to situations with what he is saying now rather than a code, mm. something written, some. Yeah. So, it's not a written word. It's yeah. going to be the, the, the preceding word right now. Yeah. That's really interesting, isn't it? I, you know, and, I mean, you know, I would suggest even that uh, we can we can have scriptures like Ephesians 2, for instance, where it says we were enemies of God. Right. Yeah. But he still loved us. Very good. Even even when we were enemies of God, yeah. he still loved us. Mm. Right. Well, if it's a right and wrong paradigm. We're his enemies, and we're his enemies because of sin and disobedience yeah. and, and going our own way, yeah. right? That, so, so that's that's the right and wrong code mm. at that point. Yeah. But he still loved us because love overcame those things mm. and gave a chance for life. And I just want to—I I do want to emphasize that it's a chance for life. There's still a decision we have to make. Yes. To walk into life. Yeah. But it's it's about having that chance for life. Mm that choice to choose life or death, just like the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. In other words, go and do, if you do this, you will die. If you don't, you will live. Mm. I have given you a chance for life now, mm. right? And at some point, that choice becomes concrete, mm. right? But but at the moment, it's not concrete. Mm. It, it really isn't. It, yep. do, do you know what I mean? Yep. If I die tomorrow, it's concrete. That's when it becomes concrete. Yep. Yeah. Right, but but at the moment it's not, is it? Yeah, totally. you know, and and that's why you know we again we mentioned in the in the last podcast about the tears and the wheat, the sheep and the goats. Uh, it's all separate at the end of time. I, yes. when that choice becomes concrete, 
There um, are real consequences. We are not universalists. No, We're, there are real, con- real consequences, consequences, right? At, at, at a, a point in time, there will be real consequences. Yeah. But at this point, there's not. Yeah. We're in the year of the Lord's favor, not the day of his judgment. Mm. You know, so all of those things, I, I think, we, and we, we often struggle in that. And I think that's because we, we, we're often living in this right and wrong aspect. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're wrong. They're, you know, therefore, they need to be. Yeah. Rather than know how do I find ways of speaking life to get to them and give them the choice to choose life, yeah, yeah, rather than death. That's really good. Uh, another dimension of this is that if you come into a situation, Jesus said, "I only say what I hear the Father saying," but He also said, "I only do what I see the Father doing." And why is he telling us that? He's telling us because he's discipling us and showing us yeah. how we're to walk. So we're to walk by showing up into a situation and only doing what the Father's doing and only saying what the Father yeah. is saying. Now, how do we know what he's doing? Well, you've got to look for where's the life here? Yeah. What's life going on? So you may be dealing with a situation, let's say, with people who are, inverted commas unbelievers because i think that's a very complex piece and i I think it's it it sits badly across the categories of in and out and and, and so on that we've talked about in the past but these people they're not uh explicitly following jesus okay yeah and they may got made some really bad choices and they may be in a bad space and bad things going on but there may be some life somewhere and what does jesus do jesus comes in he works with that life and he builds on it and he talks to that he speaks to that in other words if you come to a field and you see one green shoot the whole field is brown but there's one green shoot the thing to do in that field is take a bucket of water over there go and weed around it go and fertilize it that's what jesus did he said i see what the father's doing and that's where i work and that's an instruction to us isn't it Uh, in these spaces how do how do we find what to do well it's not the you know, all those brown shoots that have died, you, you can't work on those <laughs> unless God's taught you to raise them from the dead. Yeah. But but work with that one, yeah. you know, and, and, and that means you can always work in, in situations where you may be in a situation where there's divorce and there's addictive behavior and there's disengagement with relationships and, and disconnection and, and things are in a mess and it's just a catastrophe, but there's a piece of life in it. Yeah. Well, Let's start there because yeah. that's what Jesus does, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, so thinking about like the, uh, you know, I hear a lot of debate around the, the story of the 10 lepers, right? So 10 lepers, Jesus meets 10 lepers. He heals them all, right? Go to the priests, let them declare you're, un, you're, you're clean, right? One of them comes back to him. Now, I hear a lot of debate about that, right? Yep. Well, what happened to the other nine? Yeah. Well, you know, they probably got the. I've heard people preach. They got the leprosy back. They got you know, all of that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> but um, I, I don't think that's true. I, I, I think they walked in their cleanness at that mm. point. I think Jesus. No, I can't prove that any more than mm. the people who said. But, yeah. but knowing the nature of God, yeah, is important here, right? So, but the one that came back didn't just receive his healing. Mm. He received much more than that right because he received a portion of life his gratitude his mm. 
acknowledgement, all of those things would have brought all kinds of mm. other aspects to his life mm. at that point, you know. And and I just, I just I just it's that whole aspect of it, you know. Jesus gave an opportunity for them to have real life, not just healing, real life. Mm. Mm. To to really connect with God, to really come back. Only one of them chose to do that, mm. right? So, so for me, I, I'm just I'm just thinking. There's so many stories like that where, if right and right and wrong, they mm. didn't come back, then they should, you know, send them to hell or you're, you're, <laughs> whatever. Mm. But Jesus didn't choose that. Do you know no. what I mean? It, 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 it's it's and I just think there's something. But they were still walking. Who knows? Perhaps they 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 found a way. Suddenly thought, oh man, I should have gone back to Jesus. I didn't, but you know. One mm. of them knelt down by the side of the road and did. I we don't know, but mm. what I'm saying is, is that is that whole aspect of the paradigm of right and wrong against the paradigm of life and death gives you that ability to be more generous. Yes, yep. to be uh, to have a redemptive mindset. Very, yeah, very good. Right yeah. to 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 look how do I nurture that? What you know? In other words, I am when I'm in a situation now. I'm not looking is this right or wrong. Yeah, how do I judge it? Yeah, I'm looking. How do I bring life to it? Mm. How do I redeem this? Or how do I, how do I allow God to use me to redeem it? Yeah, is a better yeah, way, yeah, better yeah. way of putting that, right? So, so I just think that this whole aspect of developing that mentality of life and death rather than right and wrong. Now, you know, are there things that are right and wrong? Of course, there are. It's not that that's we've done away with right and wrong. Mm. You know, it's all you can do whatever you want. It's like grace. You know, we we talk about grace. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and people go, yeah, but that, you know, even even in the Bible, you know, Paul in, in Romans 6 talks about that. He says, you know, he says, I preach grace. And then you ask me, therefore, should I sin the more so grace might abound more? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he said, don't be so foolish. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like no, no, that isn't what it's about. Because yeah. if I receive that life, yeah. It teaches me to say no to sin. That's what Titus 2 teaches yeah, us, yeah, yeah. right? So in the same way as if I give people the opportunity for life, it teaches them to live in life and not in death. Yeah, totally. I'm just saying, you know, the, the, the greatest parable of all, unquestionably, is, is the one about the, 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 the ill-named prodigal son. Um, <laughs> the prodigal son illustrates this in a good way yeah let me go straight to where because the older brother satisfied right yeah he hadn't done the wrong stuff yeah. he did the right stuff the younger brother done the wrong stuff not the right stuff the younger brother re receives life yeah. but the older brother because he's done right ends up cutting himself off from life until the, the father well, it doesn't it doesn't say but the father re rebukes his yeah logic he doesn't rebuke the son he's saying whoa 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 okay your understanding is false and limited because everything i have is yours yeah. now the younger son had clocked onto that and come home for it <laughs> the older son ha had said by right i've earned this and the problem is when we do right yeah. we we can get into a self-justification a self-righteousness and that puts us in a tragic position where we cut ourselves off from the generosity and the richness and the abundance of God because Jesus came to give life, life to the full, not 
Yeah. You know, you're not even giving me a goat to sacrifice with my friends. It's um, or to party with my friends. So, but the father's the father's response to that's interesting as well. You could have had whatever you asked for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just what I say. So, so, so by being satisfied with right, he'd missed out on abundance. On abundance. There's a there's a there's a story for us all. <laughs> and you know, and it comes back to that you know the John ten ten thing again. Yeah. You know, I've come to give you life in all its abundance. Yes. You know, we 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 talk about Jesus giving us life all yep. the time yep. as 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 those who are who have mm. given themselves to Jesus, who are following Jesus, who bend the knee to him, if you like, you know, however we want to talk about yeah. that. We, we talk about, isn't it wonderful, God has given us life. But actually, it's not just life. Mm. We shouldn't satisfy, be satisfied just for life, but yeah. abundant yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not talking your prosperity gospel and I can have my Mercedes yeah. car. I'm not talking about that. That might be true. That might not be true. But it's about being able to find gratitude in the midst of anything. You know, yeah. one of the things me and my wife were talking about the other day, um, you know, we, we look at, at the younger generation. We, we definitely get old people now, you know, oh, this younger generation, you know. <laughs> but, and we were just talking about that. But they, they, I think they often struggle to find gratitude and fulfillment in the little things. Yeah. yeah. They have these highs and then they have huge lows. And, you, you know, it, and a part of, but part of that is that they can't find that, that smaller thing mm. you know that the gratitude in a beautiful sunset yeah, to, yeah. I, I'm, I'm using kind of bad one you know kind of very poetic ones if you like yeah. but but what i'm saying is is that if if we can't find abundance in the small things of life mm. right because that's abundance it's being able to be grateful it's, mm. it's like when we did the christmas special you know yeah. and we're talking about um uh Bob, Bill, Bob, Bob, Bob Cratchit, Bob Cratchit, yeah. and you know, he didn't have much, but they yeah. made the most of all that they had. Yeah, yeah. or Mister Figgy Wiggle, or whatever his name Fizz, is, Fizzy Wig, <laughs> Fizzy Wig. <laughs> it's a good job Wick. you've got him in your mind, isn't it? You know, and 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 you know, the ghost actually says um, to uh, to Scrooge at that point, you know, but he didn't do much. Yeah, you know, it wasn't a big. It wasn't like the the fatted calf thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but he said no. But he didn't have to do much mm. because, and really, what he's saying, he didn't have to do much because it was full of love and life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, so that, that in so you find yeah, that all yeah. the way through. So when we're looking at abundance, it's that finding abundance yeah, in whatever yeah. situation we're yeah, yeah. in because we found life. Yeah, and, and love. And that's that's the tragedy of Scrooge, isn't it? Yeah, he didn't learn that lesson from Fezziwig at the time, no, which no. was you can have abundance with yeah. not a great amount. Yeah. And he went off on a journey where he gathered abundance or he gathered an abundance of material wealth and he lacked abundance in his life, life. as a consequence of it. And yeah. and that's, that, that's the tragedy. Yeah. You know? And in fact, in... So you have to go back and listen to it or listen to Christmas Carol if you missed it. But in the beginning, he has this conversation with his nephew where he says, well, you're poor enough, you know, how can you be cheerful? In other words, he's got this right thing. I'm right. I've done the right thing. I've, I've worked hard, saved my money, scrimped my pennies. You know, these idiots going around saying Merry Christmas. Well, they haven't got anything to be merry about. Yeah, ex- ex- Bar humbug. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a poor old Scrooge. I'm saying it's a tra- Scrooge's yeah. life was a tragedy yeah. that God wanted and did redeem. God wanted to redeem and did redeem. Yeah. Um, there's one other element of tragedy here is that, and I'm just thinking about particularly, and this is this is going to require some 
willingness to repent. And if you don't make it and you can't do it, God bless you anyway, you know. But if you can, it'll bring life. It's this is that if there are situations you're facing that are years and years old and they just haven't moved, it may be because you're doing the right thing. You know? <laughs> and I was, I was thinking about this as, as well. It's one of the values, virtues we have as Christians is faithfulness. But to just slowly break this these words down, what if our problem is we've become faithful to a teaching but not faithful to a person? So we defend the teaching, we defend this understanding, we defend this way. We say because that's da 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 da. But actually we missed the point. We weren't called to be faithful to a teaching. We were called to be faithful to a person. Paul said, I knew nothing among you except Christ Jesus. Yeah. <clears throat> he said, I taught nothing among you except him. Yeah. And it is the gospel of Christ Jesus, not the gospel of Christianity or the gospel of a certain theology. Yeah or even the gospel of salvation. These things are all smaller than that. If we do the right thing, we'll end up trapped there. And there, and and the tragedy of a, a lost opportunity, lost life, lost relationships, mm. decades that the locust eat is the consequence of it. And I believe, believe the grace of God transcends that in a much bigger way, but we still lose. Yeah. Yeah. And it will fall to another generation to bring life yeah. where we didn't. So I'm just saying, if there are things that have just stuck and they just never worked, never broken out, it could be because you're doing the right thing, but you're not doing life. And I, I, I think truth, you have to find the truth, the the life in the truth, right? So I, I know lots of people who preach the incredible doctrine of grace in an incredibly faithful um it's not gracious normally actually unfortunately <laughs> but in, in in terms of you know in the depth of the theological understanding yeah but they've never found the life of it mm. so they live legalistically preaching a gospel of grace mm. now so many of us are like that so so we can be it's about believing the right thing and not allowing the right thing to experience the power of it you know that mm. that the verse in 8 john when it says um uh, if you hold to my teaching, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, mm. right? So it's really interesting that because the idea in that in that verse is that we hold on to the truth so we experience the power or the life of it and then it sets us free. Mm. It does not, knowing it up in your mind, yeah. knowing it theologically, does not set you free. Mm. In fact, I know so many Christians that know truth, that know doctrine, mm. but are not free mm. because they've never experienced the power of it. Mm. They've never experienced the life of it. They haven't sought to find life. Mm. They've just thought to be theologically right. They've gone for understanding. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a tree of 
knowledge knowledge again you know yeah. so so it, I, I just and you know those are those are difficult things actually they're difficult because often they're kind of subjective you know yeah. it's yeah. it's it's the, but i don't mean the truth is subjective i mean our experience or not experience of it or knowledge of it you know uh, is it, our understanding mm. or our lack of understanding uh, we have knowledge but no understanding you know yeah. that's that's another that's another yeah, yeah. aspect i think of the right and wrong life and death paradigm is mm. so if we are if we if we are holding on to a truth and we're not seeing fruit from it mm-hmm. then we have to ask have we found the life in it yet that's very good and jesus said i am the way right. the truth, truth and the yeah. life those three work so together has, in him they come and they work in him absolutely and and therefore we have to find him he is the word yeah right yeah it's he, you know he he is the word mm. It's not the word. It's he is the yeah, word. Very, very, it's very, a person. So yeah. if we are not finding him, hmm. we can find as much truth as we want. Hmm. But if we can know as much of the written word as we want. Hmm. But if we are not connecting it with the person of Jesus, hmm. it will not set us free. That's the reality. That's We will be right theologically and so wrong in experienced life. So, so you can be right, but be so wrong. Or rather, you, you're right, but people experience you as death. death. Yes. It's no wonder people have stopped going to churches, yeah. is it? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, yeah. or church attendance is, is trailing. Maybe one of the factors in that is this, that people are getting rightness, yeah. you know, they're getting the right, but they're not getting that life. And I, I think that the key here is that what we're talking about is not... Um, I think there's a fault. We get into false polarities, a false yeah. um, difference or options. It's a false. It's a, we talk about you either have grace or you have extreme grace, which yeah. is sin. Yeah. So, so basically, you got, you got law, or you, you're either complying with the law or you're not. Actually, yeah. what that boils down to. But we're talking about something. Actually, no, true grace transcends that. Yeah, it brings them. You know, in the same way that truth and life come together in a person um true grace is not sinful it brings us the grace of god leads us to repentance doesn't it yeah and the goodness of god leads us to repentance it transcends it and if if in fact let's talk definitions the definition of sin romans 3 23 all have sinned and what what was the consequence of the sin they fell short, short of the of glory, glory of God. Oh. They have they're short of His nature. Sure. So actually, the antidote to sin is not to do the right thing. The antidote to sin is to is to um, manifest the glory of God, which is His nature. To so manifest His nature, which is our created condition. We were created in His image. Yeah. The restoration of His image in us. Yeah. Doing the right thing, I, not committing adultery, doesn't make me a glorious creature. But being full of love, joy, peace, yeah. <laughs> faithfulness and goodness yeah. and gentleness and kindness of him yeah. is that life restoration, yeah. which is the opposite of sin, yeah. actually. Yeah. So we're, we're, in all these things, we're talking about a transcendent reality yeah. Yeah. over right and wrong, not a kind of well, right and wrong don't work anymore. So we just get rid of them as categories. No, yeah. we're looking for something greater and bigger and higher, which is what Jesus. Because it's not that we're saying that. You know, the right thing is not to commit adultery, right? No. So it's not saying, therefore, we can commit adultery. I'm not no. saying that. No, no. What I'm saying is if I find life, yeah. if I find the life of that truth, yeah. I won't want to commit adultery. No, no, no. Yeah. Right? If, yeah. I, if, I, if I, you know, so many people know that God is good, mm. but it doesn't lead them to repentance. Mm. 
because they know it here, but they've never experienced his goodness because they've never allowed themselves to experience his yep. goodness yep. because they have a view of of God's goodness that actually is a little bit perverted, to be honest. Yep. Right. So, so it's because it's all about judgment and and the big stick, and you know, it's it's all back to that husband who wants to with, control. I know that God loves me, but does he really? Yeah, you know, I, I'm afraid. I'm afraid if I do one thing wrong, you know, That's I will it. get a beating. Yeah, yeah, right. Or yeah. I will get discipline. You know, we use all, all kinds of other words for it. We, yeah. I will get disciplined. No, yeah. you know, God disciplines those He loves. Yeah. That's yeah. true. I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying God doesn't discipline us. Yeah. But we shouldn't be fearful all the time of his discipline. Hmm. We should encourage his discipline because he does it in a loving way as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's all, but we, you see, that's the difference between right and wrong and life and death. Yeah. Or, or even if we just draw this back a bit, a God who loves and disciplines is for us. A God who punishes right and wrong is against us. Is yeah. he's he's like. You either make it or I hit you. Yeah, it's, that's he's not for me, no. and that's why we withdraw from him. Yeah. And but the one who loves us is someone who's for us, and therefore we can open up yeah. and respond to him. That's a very interesting it, stuff. It's, eh? it's, it's, it's good, but it's, it's, <laughs> there's lots in this, and there's lots of application, lots of yeah. questions to be raised. Again, look, this isn't the um, the final word on the subject. This is probably a very poor representation of it. It's just a discussion, but. Um, we found it helpful. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Hopefully, you you have as well. It might give you, might give you some so, hope in this mad yeah. world. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so we just uh, just to finish up this podcast, we just want to encourage you to start to nurture that life and death aspect, that paradigm. And it will take some time to do that, but just to do that and to and to see whether it brings a new release of life for you and the community around you. <laughs> So, Ralph, what's inspiring you? This one's going to be a who. Uh, uh-huh. Who's inspiring? Um, we, our family, had were, were fortunate enough to have a wonderful um, holiday over December in South Africa, three weeks, and uh, Christmas Day we did a game drive, <clears throat> and we were picked up at our hotel at five in the morning um, by the uh, by the lady who did the drive. And she took us around all day. But if I just step back and just talk through her day that, that she did to take us through this game park, to pick us up at five, she must have been, it must have left her place at four or something like that. So she would have been up to get everything ready and out the door by four to get to us for five, pick us up, drive us to the game park, which is about 45 minutes, you know, and take us through there. And basically, there's, she just talks and uh, describes the animals and she's got all the knowledge where to go, where to see them and um, what the animal behaviours and interesting points are and so on. Then she stops about seven or eight o'clock in the morning. We all have a breakfast in one of the encampment, which she puts together and she's prepared the night before or something like that. And so she feeds us on, packs it away. Then we go on for another few hours, um, taking us, big drive around this is a large game park lunchtime she puts on a braai or a barbecue um for us we had a a lunch which she puts together for us and then we carry on driving and we're back at our hotel by three in the afternoon at that point she must have been going for 12 hours and then she's still got to go back to her place or drop the vehicle off and and i thought wow that's a lot of work in a day 
And she, so she, she, she's a younger woman. I, I believe she had kids at home. Um, so somebody would have to look after those and that would all be sorted out and organized. Um, she works for this safari tour company. Um, she's looking at setting up her own business where she does her own game drives. So she'd have to get vehicles and all the equipment and marketing to do that. She um, And she's doing it against a background in South Africa where they've got rolling power cuts. So you have like four hours of power and four hours off, and which if you're running an online service, basically your, your website's down or you're not responding to email for four hours because the servers are all down, this kind of thing. Or your website's down. Um, so she's... Wow. Do you know what I mean? I thought, wow, this is inspirational. Um, it, we all carry our own responsibilities. We've all got our own workloads and so on. But to, to see someone like that working that hard mm. and doing a high-quality job, really looking after us and making our um, Christmas Day really work for us, very inspiring. Um you know, to her and many other women out there like that doing, you know, doing really hard work to keep it all together and make the world a better place. Wow. Thank you. And very inspired. Excellent. Ridiculous you are, like it? Ridiculous. What can I say? Jerry, what are you doing?